fun. <laughs> Has Les ever done children's church before? Yeah? Okay. Good. If you would, turn me in your Bible to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Book of Colossians chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 17. As you're turning there, I want to tell you kind of a... A kind of a fun fact, an interesting fact anyways, about early Christianity. Um, some of the first Christians um, who existed you know, beyond the apostles uh, lived in the, the early Roman Empire. They were considered by outsiders to be cannibals. Cannibals. Now that's, Christians today might be called a lot of things, but not usually a cannibal. Now why would the, the outsiders of the church think that Christians were practicing cannibalism, well, there was two kind of big reasons. Uh, the first reason is that the outside, people outside the church didn't understand what communion was. And so whenever Christians would say, we're, we're taking the, the body and uh, the blood of Christ, people outside the church would take that quite literally to think that, that Christians were eating people. And so additionally, another reason why they, that, would be, that theory might be fueled is the fact that Christians would actually take in infants who had been abandoned on, on the streets. It was common practice in the early Roman Empire for if you, if you had a child and if, if one of the family members didn't want it, especially if the father didn't want it, you would you just abandon that child and leave it to, to die to exposure. But Christians would take those children in and that alongside of the, the first reason would just fuel the thought that the Christians were, were cannibals. But this would eventually be debunked. There would be um, people who would, who would write to the different emperors and explain what was really going on inside the church and it would explain the practices of communion and explain why it was that Christians would take in infants who had been left and the reason why ultimately is that they were compassionate. So today we're going to be talking about this, this virtue of, um, this Christian virtue considered called uh, compassion. And we're going to see that, that Christians, even from, the very, even from the very beginning, were known for their compassion. Of course, once that, that kind of theory was debunked. They were known for it for being compassionate. They were the only people who would take in babies. I mean, it was common practice for that to happen, but Christians, they saw that and they saw something wrong with that and they were willing to do something about it and they did that through their compassion. Compassion is a term that we probably all know very well. We've all probably experienced it. We've had people be compassionate towards us. We have hopefully been compassionate to other people in our life. Um, some people may be more naturally inclined to be compassionate than others. Um, some people may struggle with compassion. But even though uh, it's a common term, we probably would, we would probably try to um, define it in different ways if you were asked to define compassion. It might be something that you'd have a hard time defining without using the word compassion. Um, but ways you might describe it would be to say empathy, you might, you might use that word. You might say caring for someone else is what compassion is. You might say that it's, that it's simply understanding someone else's viewpoint. Um, but what I want us to see here in, in God's Word is that compassion, first of all, is a virtue that all Christians are called to have. It, it's a command that we are to be compassionate. What we're going to see in here is that we're supposed to put on compassion in our hearts. But then also that compassion is a Christian virtue. Other people can be compassionate. But it, it seems that Christians are to be known by their compassion and known by their love and their mercy. And so we kind of see all that wrapped up in this idea of compassion. So if you would, read Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17 with me. It says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, 
holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Lord, as we open your word this morning, we just ask that you would, uh, that your spirit would fill this room, dear God, that you would open our hearts uh, to hear this, um, this word from you, dear God, and that you would allow us to be uh, transformed by it and changed by it, dear God, that we might be able to put on uh, compassionate hearts and show uh, your compassion to the world, dear God. And all these things I pray in your gracious and holy name. Amen. So the context for this passage, for this kind of list of, of things that we're to put on, is that Paul is teaching the, the, the uh, Colossians um, basically what it looks like to be a Christian. He's kind of showing these people what it looks like to be a Christian. In, in the paragraph above what we, re what we read is a, a list that you'll see of things in which the people are told to put off. There's a list of things in which people are told to put off. And then what we read, of course, is things in which Christians should try to do, which is to put on, the way Paul puts it. So the idea then is that if you're in Christ, there are certain things you are to take off, certain things like what's listed there above what we read, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, anger, malice, slander, obscene talk, and then to put on the things of Christ, things that we read such as compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Again, as Paul puts it in verses 9 and 10, I'll read that again. It says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So this is really kind of big then. If you want to know what it looks like to be a Christian, if you want to know what Christians ought to be um, practicing, here is a list of what that would look like. This, of course, is not an exhaustive list. And there's, of course, people who practice these things who are not Christians, and there are probably Christians or people who, um, who practice this that aren't Christians, like I said, but then there are... Um, this is just a good general list of things in which Christians should be putting to death and things in which Christians should be putting on. So we see this twofold event here, taking off some things and putting on others. And so today, as we kind of pick up with our sermon series on Christian virtues, we see compassion. And compassion is the first thing that Paul tells these Christians to put on. He says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. So you could make a case that there's some kind of significance to that, that compassion comes First, you can make a case that, that the other things kind of flow out of compassion. You could say that kindness and patience and bearing with, with one another, all those things flow out of compassion. But regardless of the order, Paul is calling all Christians to put on compassionate hearts. So today as we continue to dig into God's Word here and in a couple other passages, I want us to dig deep into this idea of, of putting on compassionate hearts. 
And I want us to look at three aspects in particular of Christian compassion. Not just compassion in general, but Christian compassion. So the first aspect of Christian compassion is that it starts with God. It starts with God. One thing that we see in God's Word, and especially in His commands to us, is that God doesn't just command us to do things arbitrarily. He doesn't just command us to do things for, for no reason. For example, in the Ten Commandments, whenever God says, you shall not commit adultery, He didn't just one day decide, hey, I want to make that thing wrong. The reason God says to not commit adultery is because He is a faithful God, and so He wants us to express faithfulness in our relationships. So God does not tell us to do things arbitrarily. And similarly, God does not just tell us to be compassionate for no good reason. God tells us to be compassionate because He is compassionate. God commands us to be compassionate because He Himself is compassionate. God shows us great compassion all throughout His Word. I want to show you two examples from the Old Testament. Uh, Psalm 78 says, Yet He, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained His anger often and did not stir up all His wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. And then Isaiah 49 verse 15 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on her son of the womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. So God's basically showing us that you know, even a good parent can sometimes fail to be compassionate. Even a good parent can fail to be compassionate sometimes. But God says, you are written on my hands. God can't act. God can't do anything without being compassionate towards His children. He tells us that we've been engraved in His hands. So when He does something, He sees us in His hands and He acts compassionate towards us. So our compassion then for others starts with knowing that God has been compassionate towards us. Now, like I said earlier, you don't have to be a Christian to be compassionate. But there are a lot of people... Uh, there are a lot of Christians who are probably less compassionate than non-believers even. But for Christians, our compassion is based on the Word of God and it's based on God Himself and the fact that He has been compassionate towards us. And because God is compassionate, then we are told to put on compassion. I was telling this to my mom the other day that I was going to be preaching on compassion. And she asked me, she said, is that something you can teach? Can you teach compassion? Because she said that at their school, one thing they really try to work on with these kids is to show them to be compassionate to others you know, who are less fortunate than you are or who, who don't have the things that you have or who aren't as smart as you are. To be compassionate towards other people. And I said, I, th I think so. I think you can teach it. I think it can be learned because I don't think God would command it to be done. I don't think He would say here, put on compassionate hearts if it was some things that some people just couldn't do. So I think here that it certainly is attainable. It's achievable. Of course, we'll never be perfectly compassionate, but we can certainly put on compassion. We can be compassionate. And just because it's not in our nature to be compassionate, there certainly are people who are, who are really inclined to be compassionate. There are people who have hearts for other people. Um, and there are some people who aren't necessarily naturally inclined to do that. But just because you may not be naturally inclined to be compassionate doesn't excuse you from this command. There are a lot of things in the earlier paragraph that we're told to put off that are actually natural for us to do. Paul says that those are things that are earthly in you. Those things that are earthly in you, meaning those things that are natural in you. He says to put those things off. And so just because it may not be in your nature to be compassionate doesn't mean that we can be excused from this command. There are things 
that are natural to us that we're told to put off, and there are things that are unnatural to us that we're told to put on. And compassionate hearts is one of those things. There is this command to be compassionate. So that's one way that we could kind of go wrong with compassion is to just lack in compassion. We could say, I'm just not a compassionate person. But there is actually another way that we could go wrong with compassion is that if we do not anchor compassion to God's compassion, if we don't anchor it to His Word, then we can actually be compassionate in a wrong way. We can actually be compassionate in a way that is, that is sinful even. Uh, this can happen if we put compassion or empathy uh, or anything like that above the Word of God itself. If we take compassion and we say that's the most important thing, then that's where we can go wrong. Because look at look what Colossians 3 verse 16 says. It says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So notice that one of the things that compassionate, humble Christians are called to do is to admonish one another or to rebuke one another. So Christian compassion is not at all contradictory to this idea of attempting to correct a brother or sister who is in sin. In fact, if you think about it, it would be rather uncompassionate to, to not try to help someone out of their sin, to not try to bring someone to repentance. But if we elevate this idea of compassion, and we say compassion is the only thing that is important, if we say that compassion is the most important thing, then we might be unwilling to do that. We would be unwilling to, 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 to try to steer a brother or sister in Christ away from sin and to repentance. Because the world and worldly compassion tells us that what we feel is more important than reality. And what we feel is more important than truth. And we have to take what other people feel and to perceive that as our truth. And we have to accept that. And this is where compassion could go wrong. One illustration that I read to kind of help explain this idea of where compassion can go wrong is, imagine if you came across someone who was in quicksand. That's like a fear as a child that never really did play out as an adult. But uh, imagine someone who, who gets into quicksand, you come upon them. If compassion was the only thing that was important, you might just jump on in with them. You might just jump both feet in and say, I'm here with you. I'm with you. I got you. But... Compassion isn't the only important thing. What else might be important? Survival, right? The goal is to help them. And so what might be the right thing, the wise thing to do would be to find some way to anchor yourself to a tree or throw a rope or something. But, but you would anchor yourself in some way so that you wouldn't go down in the quicksand as well. This is why Christian compassion has to be anchored to God's Word. Because it's not just about how we feel. It's not just about... Uh, not only about compassion, it's also about truth. There has to be this balance between compassion and truth. Imagine also if you were talking to someone who was hurting, someone who had just lost a loved one, you're at someone's funeral, or, or someone who you just, that you know well who just got diagnosed with cancer, or something along these lines. There are two paths you could take. You could be only compassionate, and you go to them and you say, That's, this is just not fair, this just ain't right. And that wouldn't be true. Or you could be only truthful and you could go to them and you could say, uh, this, is, this is God's plan for your life. Suck it up. You know, you could say, this is, this is God's will. This is, uh, is going to turn out to be good. And that wouldn't be very compassionate. 
But if you take truth and your compassion, you put them together, and you might say something like, hey, God's got a plan for you. I'm, I'm here with you. I love you, and God's got a plan for you. So when we go through life, compassion has to be anchored to the truth of God's Word. So the first aspect of Christian compassion is that it starts with God's compassion, and then also it has to be anchored to God. It needs to be anchored to God's Word if it's going to truly be effective compassion, if it's going to, to effect change and to help people. The second aspect that I want us to consider about Christian compassion is that it flows out of humility. It flows out of humility. Think about the parable that Jesus taught about the Good Samaritan. There's a lesson about compassion in there. It says, or we know there's a man who was stripped and he was beaten in half, or beaten, beaten half to death. Uh, he was left on the road. <laughs> uh, but uh, a priest walks by, ignores him, right? A Levite walks by and ignores him. But then finally a Samaritan stops. And it says, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So the fact that Jesus chose a Samaritan to illustrate this point actually shows us something about compassion. And it shows us that we can see humility and compassion. You see, Samaritans and Jews were just complete enemies. They despised each other. They were not at all, they were, they were like complete opposites, if you, if you could say. And so for a, a Samaritan to look at a Jew and to say, I want to help that person, that took humility. Because pride would have said, no, I'm not going to help him, he's a Jew. But in humility, he looks at him and he's able to, to overcome their differences. And he looks at them and he, and he shows compassion on this man. I mentioned just a minute ago that compassion starts with understanding that, that God's been compassionate towards us. And it takes humility to even see that we need God's compassion. And it also takes humility to look at someone else, someone who may be completely different than we are, someone who's in a different stage of life, and to look at them and to see their suffering and to see that they need compassion and then to be compassionate and to, to want to help them. Because pride tells us that we got where we are on our own. Pride tells us, I did this. I'm where I'm at because of the things that I've done. But humility tells us that we are where we are by the grace of God and by His compassion. And then knowing that, we then can be compassionate towards others. We can show uh, grace and compassion to others. Glance again to the beginning of verse 12 in Colossians 3. just want to point out this small thing. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then, of course, it says the list of things, starting with compassionate hearts. But the way he says that, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, it is as if he is saying, you Christians, you who have been chosen by God, you who have been shown mercy by God, you who have been shown love by God, take that and show that same love to others. Take that and be compassionate. Take that and be humble. Take that and bear with one another. All these things flow out of the fact that we are God's chosen ones, that we have been loved by God. We have been shown a great deal of mercy and compassion from God. So we should show it to others. We have been shown great mercy from God. We sing often um, that God has saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. In singing that, we are expressing our undeserving mercy that God has shown us as vile sinners. 
We're showing, we're expressing that we, just, we don't deserve this great mercy that God is showing us. And it seems to me, I think, and based on what we read in God's Word, that the best way that we can then take that mercy that God has given us and then spread it outward is to be compassionate. We don't have a lot of opportunities to be, to show mercy, really, if you think about it. We're not usually in positions to show mercy to people, but we're oftentimes in positions to show compassion towards people. We're oftentimes in positions to show compassion to people. So, first aspect is that compassion starts with God's compassion, that, that we look to God and see His compassion, that it's rooted in God's Word. Secondly, we see that Christian compassion flows out of humility. And then the third aspect that I want us to think about is that Christian compassion results in action. Christian compassion results in action. It, it leads us to do something, to act. I think this idea is kind of one thing that separates Christian compassion from worldly compassion. It separates Christian compassion from just empathy. Because uh, empathy is being able to to understand someone's pain, but then I think compassion takes it a step further and is wanting to help someone who is in pain or to help someone who is suffering, to do something to lessen that pain. I think this last aspect is kind of where the rubber meets the road. If we're truly putting on compassionate hearts, then that's going to change our entire lives and it's going to lead us to where we will want to act when we can. We'll want to help when we can. The greatest example that we could possibly see of human compassion is, of course, Jesus. And His compassion goes way beyond just feeling compassionate. He acts with compassion. He speaks with compassion. Here's a, a couple examples from the New Testament. Matthew 14, verse 14 says, When He went ashore, He saw a great crowd, and He had compassion on them. And then He goes beyond that and it says, And He healed their sick. So He saw that they had a need, and then he met their need. Matthew 20, verse 34, Jesus comes upon some men who are blind, and he says, it says, And Jesus, in pity, or some translations say with compassion, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Mark 6, 34, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. So, Jesus doesn't just recognize needs of others. He does something about them. He heals their physical needs. He meets their spiritual needs. He sees that need to be taught and He teaches them. He sees that they're without a shepherd and He becomes their shepherd. And then, of course, without a doubt, we see the greatest display of Jesus' compassion at the cross where He looks at the sinfulness and the helplessness of mankind and He gives up His life so that we might have His righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That is, of course, the greatest display of compassion. Jesus looked at us in our helpless estate and basically traded places. He gave us His righteousness and He took our sin. So Jesus, our compassion ought to be modeled after that. After that compassion that was entangled with action. Compassion that was um, sacrificial. Compassion that puts the needs of others above our own. So practically speaking, as we kind of close here, how do we exercise compassion? How do we practically exercise compassion? I think it would be impossible to list 
all the ways that we could. And I think even if we had the time and, and had the means to do that, I don't know if that would be helpful because we all have very different lives. We all have very different people in our lives. We have different resources. We have different time. We have different environments. So to say that there is some kind of formula to be compassionate, I think would be too narrow. But I think a good start would be to take some of these aspects and then to try to work them out in your own life. To, to first see com the compassion that God has shown us. Let that stir up humility in yourself and then let that lead to being compassionate towards others and then acting on that compassion, doing something about it when you see the needs of others. That may mean suffering alongside someone who is hurting. God's Word tells us to weep with those who weep. It may mean meeting someone's physical need. Or it may mean sharing the gospel with someone who desperately needs to hear it. So in a moment, we'll have a hymn of invitation. Uh, this is your chance to respond. Um, maybe you've never come to Christ, and then the message for you then is that Jesus is looking at you with compassion. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning, that God doesn't look at us um, with reproach, meaning God doesn't look at us and think, oh man, how stupid they are, but He looks at us with, with compassion, and He calls us uh, to come to Him. Or maybe you're someone who just says, I'm not a compassionate person. And for you, the, the message is to... to to see this as, as God is calling us to be compassionate. It's a virtue, not a gift. It's something that we're all called to do. And so, uh, take this time to respond to God's Word and to just see how we might can be more compassionate and how we might can um, truly express the compassion of God to others. Let's pray. Dear God, thank You for, uh, again, for, for Your Word and how it, how it teaches, dear God, how You have showed us uh, what we need to know in it, dear God. I pray that you'll help us to, to put on compassionate hearts as we have read, dear God, and let that uh, completely change the way that we see the world, to change the way that we uh, view people, dear God. I pray that you'll help us to, to live this out and to, and to truly be uh, compassionate, dear God, and have hearts for other people. All these things I pray in your gracious and holy name. Amen.